Morning, good afternoon. Good it's night. episode. Good night. <laughs> See you in the next Thanks episode. Thanks for listening. It's been Tepid <laughs> It's episode 25 of Tepid Topics with your host, Liam. Hello. Michael. Hello. Dixon. Woo! Ooh, what was that? That was different to your normal. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, I'm in a good mood. That was different to your normal. <laughs> well, normally it's all right. different to your normal. Yeah. It's usually all right. Yes, I stick to my normal. Ahoy, ahoy, ahoy! I own a boat because I'm southern. Ahoy, ahoy! <laughs> it looks like you're in a boat this week, though, Mike. You're, you're a lot lower down. You sat back, chillaxing. I've been saving my pennies since the beginning of lockdown and I can finally afford a share. <laughs> After 24 episodes, I mean, start up, sat on a fucking stool and getting piles every fucking Tuesday. <laughs> Tr- trying to tell jokes when my arse always bleeding. <laughs> that makes it funnier for us. <laughs> yeah, you look way too relaxed now, mate. Oh no, I'm, living, I'm like I was sat here waiting for you because someone can't tell the fucking time when he organises oh, no. a podcast. I can't believe I was an hour late to my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was sat here in the chair and I nearly fell asleep. <laughs> oh dear, you've got a different setting this week, Dixon. You're downstairs. I know I've actually played lucky this week, boys. Can you see me? <laughs> yeah. We can see your forehead in all its yeah. glory this week, mate. Well, I thought you know, first week of no air. This is a <laughs> I deserve. You guys deserve that that treat. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Oh, like a freshly laid egg. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Oh dear. Uh, this week we have uh, a hobby episode. Hobbies. Yes. We've yes. Got, we've got some uh, weird ones. Dixon's. What? In fact, what have you been looking at, Dixon? <laughs> You've got All some right. weird ones. You have. Yeah, I've got some good, quite fascinating ones. A bit, a bit off it, but yeah, different. Right. Uh, I've got death diving, extreme ironing, extreme cello playing, toy voyaging, <laughs> and soap carving. Wicked. <laughs> Wicked. So, Mikey, what have you been researching? Uh, the most boring hobbies I can find. <laughs> right, we'll get we'll get to them after. Yep, I'm, I'm excited. So stay tuned. And I've got uh, I just got like I just been doing childhood hobbies or like nineties hobbies. Yeah. And suck. I'm looking forward to knowing none of these. That seems to be the way that these conversations yes. usually go. stuff Dicks hasn't done that every other child on the planet I feel has like done. At some point, we're going to have to have an episode of what Dicks actually did in his childhood. Yeah, what, I've actually, what I've actually seen is an episode. At the moment, locked... I sound like something. That'd be a very short episode, wouldn't it? <laughs> were you locked in a cupboard from like age one until 40? Yes. <laughs> you will not come out. I was kept in a skip in the garden for a few months. <laughs> Never to see the light of day. Right, shall we go? The parents were just doing the world a favour, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Bless them. Right. 
my... Uh... Go on, then. You, you're kicking us off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so... I, was try- I was trying to do an intro for you there. It didn't really work, did it? <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> so... Liam Hannon! <laughs> section of the podcast! You shall go on my first whistle. <laughs> Tonight, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I first looked at uh, Beyblade. Yes. <laughs> yes. So these came out in um, 1999 in Japan. Uh, for people who don't know, they were they were spinning just like well, if you were around in the 90s and playing Beyblade, I don't know what you were doing in your life. They were just <laughs> yeah. like feral spinning tops. And uh, <clears throat> do you remember the catchphrase? On crack. <laughs> no. Let it rip! Oh, that's the one. <laughs> so, as like with all these that I'll be mentioning, most of them came out in like Japan first, and then they made their way to the West because, for some reason, the Japanese knew how to market these like collectible like toys and stuff. Yeah, they I just were... remember you'd always let them go in a plastic bowl, yeah. but they were like <laughs> yeah. the, the metal original Beyblades, and they just shatter everything in yeah. its path. <laughs> they'd rip it to shreds. I mean, if one flew off and caught you in the arm, that's it. You have to get your arm arm amputated. Jesus, Roof. <laughs> Wave goodbye to your skirting board. <laughs> exactly. Were they right? Just so I'm clear, they were the ones where you had the thing and you pulled it. Yeah, and it the ripcord. Rip. Right. Yeah. I had one of them. I actually did have one yeah. of them. It was a grey one, and it was a knockoff plastic one you got in cereal. Has <laughs> <laughs> no one ever thought about weaponizing them? Because I, there is nothing on the planet that can physically stop one of those. <laughs> yeah. not, to be fair. Perpetual motion. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know why the next like the next like military grade weapon is not like firing Beyblades. <laughs> there is no defense against the windmill. I just pull a load of Beyblades. <laughs> In fact, I think they were at first a, a military grade uh, weapon from the Japanese. <laughs> What's the small soldiers? It's military chips into toys. <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> you always used to, you used to be able to change the top of them, though, didn't you? Yeah. The and everyone would trade like yeah. the tops. Yeah. So like the the top bit was called the bit chip. Right. And uh, it like it had a little monster on it, and um, yeah, you could like collect them, like uh, yeah, like. <clears throat> Like Pokemon cards, which we're going to get into. <laughs> Very violent top trumps. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it just—it was just surely like. I, I mean, I watched a video on them today. Actually, like, there's a new generation of them and everything. Like, there's a there's a a, a YouTube channel which has like over a million subscribers, and they just dedicate themselves to Beyblades. Oh really? It's, like, <laughs> it's madness. People still go mad for them. And like, uh, fun, though, yeah, it was a good laugh. Like yeah. as a kid, you see. You pitted your Beyblade against some some other poor kids, and it's like <laughs> one of them usually got smashed, and that was your pocket money down the window for like yeah. <laughs> down the down the shit for the next three months. <laughs> so all it is is a game of conkers on. Crack, yeah, pretty really. much, isn't it? <laughs> conkers with razor blades, <laughs> spinning razor blades. But yeah, they were pretty lethal, and uh, obviously, like with all most of these things I'll mention, they got banned in schools. Ice per, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> the teachers didn't. <laughs> is that Kieran? <laughs> is it? Is he? Is he shouting? He's screaming. Yeah, yeah. Classic. <laughs> every every fucking episode. He has to chip in. <laughs> yeah, he has to scream. Um, 
think he just got hit by Beyblade. <laughs> so there was an anime as well that went with it. So like, I mean, another few things that I mentioned, they have an anime with it because the Japanese obviously love an anime. Uh, and if there's yeah. something that can market it with a like a toy, and people just go batshit for it. So like you're seeing <laughs> your favourite thing on TV, and you can buy the toys. It's a win-win, and it's a genius yeah. marketing ploy. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I remember like being a kid, and like my nan used to play Beyblades with me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I used to that have, like surprise me. <laughs> she used to love them. <laughs> nan was mad for the Beyblade. <laughs> I would never give Nan a game of Conkers. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they were a good laugh. They were a good laugh. Um, the next one I'll mention is Pokemon. Were we all into Pokemon? Yeah. No. What? Ah! So what Mikey didn't do. <laughs> I had one po- Pokemon card, and it was uh, Diglett. Ah, oh, the worst one. <laughs> yeah, I was never, al- never allowed to watch Pokemon. <laughs> you know, I, didn't, I, I watched it a bit, but I, yeah, I only really collected the cards, to be honest. Yeah, like I it. feel like it's it's one of them things you you can still get into it as a teenager though, with the games and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it was um yeah. So this came out in 1996, like the cards and the Game right. Boy games as well. So like it was an anime. It they were collectible cards, and you could play the Game Boy games as well. These people, like, they were raking it in the, po- the, yeah. the company and made they had to, what, they had, what is it, PS1 games? Is it Pokemon Battle Arena? And they basically the have a finger in every game. market. <laughs> yeah. I never but, played them, but, yeah. Yeah, the Game Boy games were unreal. I still love them now. I mean, I've not played them for years, but yeah. I would definitely go back into a Pokemon game and play it. You can, yeah. get it for, uh, you can get it for free on, like, if you download an emulator just um, on your laptop. Just get a Game Boy emulator and download a, a ROM. I might do that when I'm at work tomorrow. <laughs> get it on your phone as well. You can get, if you've got an Android phone, you can get it on your phone. Hey. Um, yeah, so the original uh, 150 Pokemon that came out in 1996. Um, now there is 893 Pokemon. Wow. How do you keep inventing them all? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you some shit ones. (laughs) Okay, okay. Electro cunt. (laughs) I remember Chris having a bit, you know those posters you get that had all 100 Pokemon on? I remember he always used to argue about with them, is it Mew or Mewtwo is the best? And it used to always go to my head. The only one I bloody knew was Pikachu and Charizard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you knew Charizard, mate. That That was one of the best. Um, but yeah, the, the original 150 were the, the original and the best. Um, but yeah, now you've got ones called like Clink Clank, which Ooh. is just a cog. It's a cog. <laughs> Imaginative. <laughs> uh, you've got one called Trubbish, oh. which is a bin bag. What's, what's that? Did <laughs> <laughs> no. you say Chubbish? Trubbish. Oh. <laughs> It's just a bin bag. As you do. Yeah. They've they've run out of uh, ideas, evidently. Um, (laughs) uh, The 90s were so much more inspiring than the uh, 2020. (laughs) Clef key, which is a set of keys. Right. And then there's an ice cream Pokemon, 
like a fucking ice cream cone, and then there's a, uh, a <laughs> there's a, a candle and a chandelier Pokemon. It's so like the, what? Yeah, just I, ripping up in the base. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the were they're just horrible. Like the first generation, you had like Pikachu, Charmander, Charizard, Bulbasaur, Blastoise, mate, mm. Squirtle, Squirtle. You had the OGs, and now you got yeah. shit like that. What was it? And this ain't a troll, so I don't think it is. What was Digimon then? Digimon was like uh, digital monsters, so it was like right. a rip-off of Pokemon, but like uh, was it not connected then? With all nah, separate, it was like uh, they tried to get some market share of what Pokemon had. It was still pretty right. decent. Yeah, because so I know they did that have Digimon cards and stuff. Yeah, I quite enjoyed watching a bit of that actually. To be fair, yeah. But they were digital monsters, and Pokemon were pocket monsters. Right, oh. caught in a Pokeball. <laughs> Um, you know, the Pokeballs you used to be able to buy the what the Pokeballs you could buy your own Pokeball couldn't yeah, you yeah yeah you were play with yeah pretty sick um, <laughs> yeah so I, I collected all these uh, Pokemon cards and yeah. they probably would have been worth quite a bit actually now yeah um, I imagine they would yeah I gave all mine away to my little cousin so He's sitting on millions. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this is like the the uh, the most valuable card. So apparently this card is the most rare, which is called the number one trainer, which is a holographic promotional card awarded to finalist in the secret super battle tournament held in Tokyo in Japan in 1999. Uh, to earn a place in the competition finals, which were held in a secret location, players had to first win a regional tournament. Their right. their prize was the number one trainer card, which granted them access to the finals. Um, as only seven regional tournaments were held, it's believed that just seven copies of the number one trainer card were made, uh, easily making it one of, if not the rarest, Pokemon cards in existence. Wow. How much is it worth? Six <clears throat> of the cards... Have since been certified as being in perfect mint gem mint ten condition, uh, with a flawless copy selling at auction in July 2020 for 90 grand. Oh, fucking hell! For a piece of cardboard. Did did the winner of the entire competition not get like a one-off card? I don't know. Maybe. See, they would have done, wouldn't they? They all got those seven. So, like the winners of those seven yeah. the tournament, they all got one of them. Imagine just holding on to that for 20 years. Yeah. You'd be minted, and then. A mint condition first edition shadowless holographic Charizard sold at auction in October for $220,000. Oh, fucking hell. To retired rapper Logic. <laughs> <laughs> Setting a new record for an already valuable card. So there you go. But people go mental for him. So, like, there's a. Yeah, you know, Jake it. Paul, or was it Logan Paul? They were like yeah. it was all like the hype last month, and they were buying up like uh, they were buying up cards and opening like opening packs of cards. Um, all right. And he bought a um, you could get like a, a pack of booster pack cards, but I think they were forgeries, and he's I think he paid like three hundred fifty thousand for them. And, <laughs> <Cunt>. he, <laughs> and, he, and, and they were all forgeries. No, that's incredible. He's such I a couldn't have happened to anyone better. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, scams are out there, people. Yeah, sure this is it, especially when I mean, they know there's money involved. If you if you're willing to pay that much for a fucking for cards, anyway, I think you deserve yeah. to get 
shaft is. <laughs> yeah, for a bit of cardboard. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, mint if you've held, like, if you're a collector of them as a kid and then you could just, you, you were oh, sitting absolutely. on, like, 220 it's grand. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine, like, it'd be like, you know, Mikey getting assigned. You know, like Chelsea with Champions League and Frank Lampard as a shirt or something. Like, you'd probably pay that much, wouldn't you, for a, something that you're passionate about? I'd definitely wait, especially if it hasn't been washed since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'd pay that for something like Arsenal, but Arsenal don't know, don't know how to get three points to save their life at the moment. So. <laughs> it's all right. I don't you have to worry about that. <laughs> Relega- relegation t-shirt. <laughs> I'm actually sat next to it, just on my left there, cat's laptop. My mum robbed Ronnie O'Sullivan's bottle of water that he drank from McMaster's a couple of years back. I'm sure that's got to be worse somewhere now. <laughs> <laughs> how would they prove it, though? Well, I'd, It'll have his have his, his DNA, DNA in it, won't it? Well, they keep it until cloning it. Yeah, she's kept the bloody water in it as well. Uh, <laughs> so his backwash has been sitting in my front room for a few years now. <laughs> Such a feral family. I'll never forget her leaning over at Wall into Masters into his chair, and she was trying to talk around the security guard to not like to take. Obviously, it's a glass bottle, so they're like, "Sorry, Miss, you can't. You know, Mum, you can't leave with that." And she was like, "I am." I really am. She's like, <laughs> just like, I'm not going to do anything with it. I just want to keep it. So she got his flannel and his bottle of water that he drank from, and then they managed to get the head of security down to resolve the situation. And luckily, he was like, he was just like, yeah, right. I, I know you're not going to do that. It's fine. Just don't tell anyone. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yeah, just walking out of the alley, pally with running, running his flannel and bottle of water. I was like, you're getting arrested. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Do you remember that one? Never played it. Only probably yeah, seen never, a never bit of an episode, it. but it did look fun. Just wasn't my thing. So I was well into Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> you you look like the type of person. <laughs> <laughs> An absolute weeb. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, Such mate, what is a Yu-Gi-Oh? E-boy. <laughs> uh, so these came out in 1996 in Japan. Um, right. And anime came with it, and obviously then trading cards as well. Um, so as of today, there are over four thousand six hundred cards. Wow! Um, and these these also go for like thousands of of pounds. Yeah. Um, Not surprised. So I was well into them. I had like I must have had hundreds of these cards. <laughs> What's on them though? Like you know, like Pokemon or like creature things? Yeah, these like monster things. All right, so it's similar, same vein, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Right. The the uh, the game was really good. I I got well into the game. Uh, it was like there was a tournament on at Woolworths in Harrogate when I was like, <laughs> I was like eleven. Oh uh, yeah, my mum like dropped me off at Woolworths for the day, and I was absolutely loving it. Like uh, <laughs> I, I won a few games of Yu-Gi-Oh. I swapped some cards. It yeah, was unreal. That's like a, a different time, that it? Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, Woolworths. This is the most 90s yeah. <laughs> Maybe if Woolworths had stuck to Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments, they would have gone bust. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was. It, yeah, they just held a held a frigging tournament in Woolworths. So obviously, that's I fucking mint. That. Uh, I went to one in Woolworths, and do you remember Warp Nine in Harrogate? Oh yeah, yeah, they, shit, yeah. They held one there as well. <laughs> I did, oh, that don't surprise me. That was Ace Warp Nine. My, yeah. Me and my granddad used to love that show. <laughs> I think I think that was before my time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it was where uh, Jack Fulton's is now. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Just down oh, the road yeah. from the bus station. 
<laughs> but I remember getting I, I I remember getting my ass kicked in that one. Like in the first match, I got where the sweats went. I got rinsed, and I was like, "Oh well, that's it to, for another year." <laughs> Better luck next year. <laughs> I curated. And then you had your 18th birthday party the next year. <laughs> I curated a deck and everything. Like I, I thought I was gonna smash it, but <laughs> I was prepping for months for this. <laughs> I'll be the master, mom. <laughs> mom, I'm just thinking I'm the biggest nerd in history. Yeah. Like, son, you're 23 now. <laughs> I've failed. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I had I, my first pack of cards. I got quite a rare card, and uh, I went to school with them. Obviously, like you had to go to school with them, and trade them and stuff. Surely that's a mistake. <laughs> I had to, yeah, you had to wear them for protection. You know what I mean? Like no one yeah. would fuck with you if you had a blue eyes white dragon card. Fucking Liam's <laughs> a fucking shiny rare today. <laughs> Laminated round his neck. <laughs> but I got quite a rare card, and then like um, some kids two years above, they wanted to swap <laughs> my card for. It was like it was an all right card, but I think mine was better. But, oh, absolutely. Um, I got peer pressured into swapping my good card for this one. <laughs> right, everyone... Who was it, mate? Name him Shane. <laughs> I can't right remember you. his name. I can't remember his name. But um yeah, he was two years above net all his mates like, Oh, just swap it. Don't be don't be an idiot. Come on. Uh, <laughs> swap swap this card. Yeah, this one's oh, a good card. Two. And I was like, Alright, fine. <laughs> yeah. I went home and cried. I went home and cried, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I've again. Again. I've got nothing. <laughs> oh, is that Mike? I think you've cut out. I've lost Mike. We've lost him. <laughs> no! Uh, no! He's back! He's back! <laughs> oh, Mike! <laughs> no, I was just making a joke that said uni life was quite difficult for you, wasn't it? But... <laughs> Another way cards for protection, mate. Um, so that was Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, Tamagotchi. Did you ever have Tamagotchi? No. No. I know what knock, knock-off sports direct version where you had a footballer <laughs> and he could link what? up with other people by infrared and play games against him. <laughs> infrared. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's fucking mint. Until he got like an A-grade injury and you had to nurse him back to hell for like seven days. I haven't got that attention span. Ruined that that cunt's career after a month. (laughs) Infrared, that's a throwback. I remember Liam sending me breakfast at Tiffany's night for a month. Went to cinema. (laughs) Do you remember that? Just one send though, wouldn't it? Infrared was dog shit. Like you had to have him like right next to each other. Like with the ports facing each other, else it just and even then it didn't work. Uh, it was a bag of shit that. <laughs> Proper. Bluetooth was that was the new tech like the year I got Bluetooth. Oh my god, when that Bluetooth was that? on the Sony Ericsson came out, that was a game changer. <laughs> yeah, that's what. I... Anyone, anyone want any Niles Barkley today? <laughs> oh, was it DJ Sammy? <laughs> that's what all the Charvers had. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Moves like Jagger, I think, was one of my first ones. We were we were exchanging panic at the disco and my chemical romance. <laughs> <laughs> Edgy. <laughs> Why was no one like uh, conspiracy like cons- 
conspiracy conspiring <laughs> about Bluetooth. Like you get all these five G yeah. conspiracy theories. Where were the tinfoil hats when Bluetooth? I'm sure there were. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I think I they know. were too busy fucking pinging the ting tings to each other, like, <laughs> without having to be sat next to each other. Yeah. Like, this is amazing. Every time we go to the cinema, they'd be like, turn your Bluetooth on, let's see who's about. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who can we try to talk to? Just like, there was a Bluetooth fucking... Name. The best day of my high school was when uh, our teach, history teacher had a Mac computer with his Bluetooth on and people <laughs> kept changing their Bluetooth to them like, I like bums or something. <laughs> <laughs> connected to it and it, during all the slide presentations it would pop up with, I like bums is trying to connect to the call. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> Fucking was that at our school, Michael, when you were that Yeah, it was, yeah. Who was that? Yeah. Who's, who's... Um, a certain Mr. Archer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really liked Mr. Archer. He got a bad rap, but he, he, was, he was a fucking lad, to be fair, wasn't he? He, he was did, a, yeah. a history he teacher. Did. He was a fucking boy. <laughs> he didn't connect with the bums, though, did he? So. <laughs> I like bums connect. <laughs> Amazing. So, uh, Tamagotchi. Yeah. Or, if you're my nan, she called him Tamachantis. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like the Digimon rip-off version. <laughs> yeah. Yes, nan. Have you looked after your Tamachanti? <laughs> <laughs> if I knew what that was, nan, yeah. <laughs> so these came out in 1996, and the rest of the world had them in 1997. Uh, and by 2017, 87 million Tamashantis were sold. <laughs> can you still buy them? Yeah, you can still buy them, yeah. My sister's got one on a, on a key ring. Yeah. Um, so this is Almost how like a work. novelty thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So this is how they work. So upon activating the toy, an egg appears on the screen. And after setting the clock on the device, the egg will wiggle for a few minutes and then hatch into a small pet. Pets have a hunger meter, a happy meter, a bracelet meter, a discipline meter to determine how healthy and well-behaved the pet is. Yeah. There is also an age and weight check function for current age and weight of the pet. It's mad, isn't it? (laughs) The pet will leave droppings around the screen from time to time and become sick if they are not cleaned up. And if your pet becomes sick and you don't clean up its poo, then it dies. Can you can you start again? Or you yeah, you reset. It? There's a little reset button on the back, and you just reset. Ah, it. Right. But oh, this came with a few consequences. So <laughs> Lee's also got banned in schools because the time taken, like you have to be watching this thing, like you know, every few hours, or else it'd die. Because it, like, it can die within uh, half a day to a day. So people were like trying to Fucking look after hell. these things in school. Uh, <laughs> And so they got banned in school, obviously. Um, and apparently one girl committed suicide because her parents took the thing off her. Bloody hell. So it's like the the emotional, you know, like these little pets. Attachment. Yeah, it's like for a kid, yeah. that's like your first thing that you look after, maybe, a Tamagotchi. Yeah. And it's like if it dies, and it's like, <laughs> fuck, I've killed someone. I've actually killed a pet yet. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's a genius marketing ploy. You get, like, kids attached to something, and then... yeah. Yeah, for kids that, you know, parents can't yeah. afford or don't want to have an actual pet, you get a virtual yeah. pet. Yeah, <laughs> and then before you know it, you're 12 years old and you're trying to play infrared matches against fucking Portugal <laughs> with your little <laughs> <laughs> Tamagotchi <laughs> football. 
Um, so the, the last one is a Furby. <laughs> they terrified me. They were pretty, they yeah, they were pretty freaky. Yeah. So these were American, like the only thing on the list that was. Um, so by a robotics toy company, originally released in 1998 um, by Tiger Electronics. <clears throat> that old? Yeah. It resembles oh, a hamster or owl-like creature and went through a period of being a must-have toy following the holiday season launch with <laughs> continual sales up until... 2000 <clears throat> with continual sales until 2000 <laughs> over 40 million furbies were sold during the three years of the original production fucking hell madness isn't it? yeah that is mental i remember you used to be able to get like a, a back when happy meals were sick you used yeah. to be able to get like a, a big furby <laughs> toy in the happy yeah, yeah. meal i had a blue and black one sick <laughs> yeah. so these furbies spoke furbish yeah. Uh, and over time started using English words. The voice commands in 2005... Is that what? Because they were becoming self-aware? Yeah, probably, oh. yeah. This is where Furbies mm. take over the world. <laughs> um, so, the Furby res- voice uh, commands... These, these, these are some Furbish words that I found on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, ta lulu which means, tell me a joke. Right. Oh. We Taki Wilo, which is tell me a story. <laughs> we Tika Wati, sing me a song. <laughs> Wabto Koli Far, is please put me in the bath. I've lost him. That one was. He's that, gone. That one was. Uh, that, one was a <laughs> that one didn't actually exist. <laughs> oh, we didn't things. even hear it. Did you not? <laughs> didn't hear it. You yeah. just cut out there. You froze on singers a song and then oh. you just came back with. That was. They're gone. Gone. We too lally lock. That means tell us a joke. Wab. <laughs> it's not going to be funny now. <laughs> Say <it> anyway. Wab <laughs> to Coley Far, which is please put me in the bath. <laughs> And that was the joke. That was the joke. Yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, because they're electronic. Ha ha ha. Anyway. <laughs> that was worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. And then the last... <laughs> this thing, like, the Furby would say to you, the Furby would... This was a new, another thing that it used to say, apparently. It just used to say, you, which was... Why will you not play with me today? This usually means the Furby is upset. So Good. this this pulled on your heartstrings as well. So absolutely, I'm sure like kids would cry. <laughs> <laughs> what are you shouting at? Go for it. I don't know. He's... <laughs> fucking dying. Didn't you be, didn't you be able to connect your Furbies? They had like magnetic yeah, bits on their feet. Yeah, they could uh, via Bluetooth or infrared. Or <laughs> In- infrared for thing is that they have the eyes of fucking killers. Like, <laughs> awful. Of oh, killers, they do. I I can't stand for the fucking terrifying little cunts. <laughs> you know I've won them. <laughs> Oh, I did not No, my sister had one. Yeah. I hated him. I tried to put him in bin every chance I got. <laughs> I had a green one. Did <laughs> you? And that was uh, my toys from the 90s or hobbies. Oh, I like them, mate. 
No, that was a nice no. throwback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's he singing? <laughs> he wants to um. He found my joke. To go it. next. <laughs> right, yes, should I go next? Go for it. Yeah. Right then. <laughs> I've researched the most boring hobbies that I could find because yeah. there was the extreme ones, and I feel like Dates, you've you've done quite a good job on that. So I wanted to go the opposite end of the scale. Which is very suitable for my life and how that's going. <laughs> so, we all know train spotting. Yep. Well, how about train station spotting? Ooh, oh, yeah. I like this. I like where this is going. <laughs> oh, mate, I guess this is tip of the fucking iceberg, dicks. Um, <laughs> this is Andrew Hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Dowd is a teacher from Manchester. And he has visited all 2,548 railway stations in England, Wales, and Scotland. <laughs> um, during, during his trips to go and see them all, he drove 36,000 miles because it was cheaper than seeing them by train, ironically. Um he was quoted to have said in, in the article I read, most of them are not all that interesting. Oh, he lies. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've been to some good stations in my time. Yeah. <laughs> I like York Station. Yeah, I like York. They've got yeah, a leaky York... roof at the moment, though. Oh, have they? You walk across Bridget Middle, you have to do a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> dog, dog, dies, dad, dad, dip, dip, dog, dodge. <laughs> I like, is it uh, Westminster Tube Station? Because it looks like you're yeah. going down into a set of fucking Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Westminster Tube. one of the nice ones, and it like proper old-fashioned and... Yeah. Deep. Well, you thought that was dull. <laughs> Let's find out what David Gr- Grissenthwaite did. <laughs> he was a man... And he has kept a record of every time he has mown his lawn since 1984. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> of all the things. How, yeah, how much do you hate your wife? The fact you have to go and sit in the shed after mowing the lawn and fill out a spreadsheet. <laughs> I laugh, mate, but I'm crying on the inside because I'm pretty sure that's something Holly's going to do. <laughs> She loves a spreadsheet, mate. Oh, mate, there'll be millimetres. <laughs> there'll be the, the millimetre length of the grass. There'll be a nice fucking bar chart, I imagine, of the road <laughs> and water coverage, God knows. Well, funny enough, the, the data did come in handy because the Royal Meteorological Society has studied this yeah. and found that uh, the... Fucking hell, what's my handwriting like? Oh, I wasn't even drunk when I wrote this. Um... <laughs> The average annual lawn mowing period increased by a month and a half over 30 years. Whoa. So over the 30 years, he he mowed his lawn less. Right. Uh, So obviously they attribute that to, you know, climate change, you know, his lawn not growing as much. I just think he's a lazy cunt and just couldn't be bothered (laughs) as often. He was probably well into it. From 1984 to 1987. And then something happened to change his life. Well, yeah. 
probably lost his virginity. Um, <laughs> I was going to say lost his house, but... <laughs> the, reason <he> did lose <laughs> the reason he did lose his virginity is because he showed him that spreadsheet. Yes! <laughs> Ladies? I would have sex with this man, to be fair. <laughs> uh, that's not the end of this man's talents, because he also records the amount of garden waste he produces and memorises bus timetables for fun. <laughs> no comment on the bus timetable. <laughs> I, I was partial to a good bus timetable when I was a kid. <laughs> that's what I you were it's... doing. You weren't watching the film. Or train train stations and bus timetables. That's what I spent my childhood days doing. <laughs> I just imagine your head, you know, being like the Matrix, where it's just <laughs> ones and zeros coming down. <laughs> bus time. Uh, you guys see colours, I see binary. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's in seven-minute intervals. <laughs> yeah, there's no rods and cones in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin Beresford is the... Uh, He's got a prestigious title of being the president of the UK's Roundabout Appreciation Society. Mm. A society that he founded himself in 2003. <laughs> uh, he said Oasis is... No, he said roundabouts are like Oasis <laughs> on a sea of asphalt. <laughs> and That's a lovely metaphor. Well, it is... Yeah, so it's still a bit sad. He's, he's done... <laughs> Two books about roundabouts, including <laughs> Roundabouts from the Air. Oh, now we're talking. That's something I could get behind. Yeah. <laughs> I um, hope he's covered the magic roundabout. <laughs> oh, God, what a horror show that was. Uh, I've never been. I actually just want to go on a drive just to go to it. <laughs> what do you mean? It was a TV show. No, the magic roundabout in Swindon. What? What? Yeah. Google, Google the magic roundabout in Swindon now. Give it a Google. It's the, it's the it's the roguish roundabout in Britain, and it's essentially one big roundabout in the middle with like four or five roundabouts outside the main roundabout, and it's all one big roundabout complex. Swindon. Whoa, what is that? Oh, look at that! Oh. <laughs> Imagine that when you're driving like a seven-circle roundabout <laughs> as one. That's the seventh circle of hell. <laughs> Jeez, it just looks like a massive Beyblade with cars on. Yeah, yeah. that is ultimate Beyblade, mate. Did you know an interesting fact for you is uh, Basingstoke is named the Hula Hoop City as it has the most roundabouts in of any really? UK town. Wow. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Tell your children. Are we talking like small buggers or big buggers? Bit of both, really. Some girthy, some small. I think it probably counts the big ones rather than the ones you drive over. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just trying to make this section as boring as possible. <laughs> so, Ke big Kev, president of the UK Roundabout Appreciation Society, founded in 2003, <laughs> spends most of the year travelling around Great Britain taking photos for his Best of British Roundabouts annual calendar. Wow. I bet that is actually quite fun though. Better being stuck in office, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> Going around no. taking pictures of a roundabout. <laughs> How many people no. are buying this calendar for that to, you know, be a thing? Yeah, I mean, there must be a market if he's <laughs> getting a wage. Or he's retired and in between cutting his grass, he takes photos of 
I bet fucking Google Google Maps Street View has saved him a fortune in fuel. <laughs> yeah. I bet he's lost half his clientele to Google Satellite. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, have, have you guys heard about Archie Workman? No, do no, tell. Never and I before yesterday. <laughs> He is a man from South Cumbria who takes photographs of train covers. Oh, what? yes. <laughs> oh, Christ. Train, train covers. No, train train covers. covers. Like. Right. Train I, I, thought, trains you said, I thought you said. Not That's trains. Really trains. Derains. Oh, trains. Derains. Derains. Oh, covers. <laughs> He rained the rock. Jump. I, was like, I, I didn't even know that. That's amazing. All oh, right, that's <laughs> even worse. Coats for trains. Or something. Yeah, I was like, what? Why did they, since when did they cover trains? <laughs> I, I was thinking like, like you like when you put like a tea cozy on top of a kettle. I was thinking like some big cozy that goes on top of like, <laughs> like a tube one you get for a sausage <laughs> dog in winter. <laughs> 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 fucking Northern <laughs> Rail Train with Parker on. Said maybe. I'd have more respect for Northern Rail if one of them rocked up wearing a Parker than I would now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, Big Archie Workman takes pictures of D-Rain covers. Oh, D-Rain covers. Fair game. Fair game. It's not, no, it's not a fair game at all. How bored you have to be? Fucking <laughs> hell. Okay, no. I tell you what, you... though, the lockdown has been hard on these people, has it not? <laughs> the worst part is they were doing this shit before lockdown. This article came out last year. <laughs> That's what I, mean. I feel sorry for the, the people that you're talking about because they've not been able to pursue their hobbies during lockdown. Fucking <laughs> oh, hell. You know. He, uh, he produced a calendar for his local parish. Of course he did. Which he, he said in quotes, quote, quotey, mark, floaty, quotey things, it became an overnight sensation. Right. What, the, the drain covers or the uh, parish magazine? Uh, the drain covers annual calendar he produced. <laughs> I find it hard to believe it became an overnight sensation. <laughs> But he's, he's he's doing a good thing because the proceeds used from selling the calendar go goes back to him, and he then buys tools to go and clean of a fucking drinker. <laughs> he's he's a hero, really. He's created the perfect business model. Yeah, the more pictures I take, the more cleaning I can do. <laughs> Who's oh, oh what? What's on February? What drain cover will it... There can't be that much variation in drain cover. Well, you've got circle, you've got gridded, square, rectangle, you've got open, you've got mesh. I think we just bought, found a buyer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Christmas boys, I'd like one drain cover edition, please. Oh, this is the if we ever had a tepid topic studio, this sort of shit, all of this shit would be in the background, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Right, so I wanted to end on a high, and we've got John Potter. <laughs> John Potter, in my eyes, is a fucking legend and all, but weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thomas Cook, 
have been publishing a European rail timetable book 12 times a year since 1873. <laughs> In 2013, the company stopped making these books. So John Potter, an avid collector of these books, was not entirely pleased. <laughs> what did this absolute bogan go and do? He remortgaged, <laughs> he remortgaged his house to buy the rights to the Thomas Cook European Rail Timetable. <laughs> <laughs> what a passionate man. <clears throat> so these these books are absolutely incredible. They're like the size of a normal paperback book, but in it they hold 50,000 train, bus and ferry schedules from all over Europe. <laughs> he, he said, he was quoted as saying, he loves reading them. Because you can imagine a journey without ever having to leave your chair. <laughs> you can imagine a journey without having the fucking timetable. Could you imagine his fucking face when he discovers train simulators, I think? <laughs> yeah, don't ever show this man RomeToRio.com because he's going to be very upset. <laughs> Why? That's um, commitment to the cause, man. Well, yeah, so so he bought over this uh, the, the rights to this and he runs his own website now. Um Right. publishing the timetables so he basically has a massive database that he updates um, has knocked okay. it down to six times a year rather than 12 times a year mm. um, he's got grass to cut on he sir <laughs> well, he's, he's doing a fucking he must be doing alright because it's 130 quid for a year's worth of these fucking magazines Bloody hell. or books yeah <clears throat> so really good I, wonder, I wonder if he's you know finally paid off his mortgage or whether he's about to be evicted <laughs> um, either all the community at large in Europe need to give back to this man to the what he's given people over the last few years well, I, had, I had a look at a few of them and they were, looked absolutely enthralling yeah <laughs> I bet. Um, <laughs> but I thought that wasn't interesting enough so let's do a little bit of maths here it's been a while since I've done some tepid maths <laughs> so I did a little bit and then I was on the way home from work today I was just like how much more dumb can we make this so here it is since 1873 there have been 1526 editions of Thomas Cook European Rail Timetable <laughs> yeah, all right, we're following so far. Wait, what was yeah. that? What was that number? Fifteen hundred and twenty-six. <laughs> I had a look on eBay, and the October nineteen eighty-eight edition had four hundred and ninety-six pages. Mm -hmm. I then went on to a website where you calculate a book's weight. The standard size of a paperback book is eight and a half inches tall by five and a half inches wide. This means that each book he owns weighs around 600 grams. If he has every single edition since 1873, which I suspect he may do, that means he's got an additional... 915 kilograms in his house <laughs> which is about the same weight as two grand pianos or half a giraffe <laughs> how many elephant poos is that equivalent to <laughs> <laughs> now we're all familiar with a Boeing 747 aren't we <laughs> yes. 
Well, the Boeing seven has a speculative altitude limit of 41,000 feet. Yes. And I calculated that if all of the editions of his book were dropped from 41,000 feet out the back of an aeroplane, they would have a terminal velocity of 27 miles per hour. <laughs> And then use the Imperial College of London. <laughs> <laughs> this was a whole afternoon of looking at physics equations. It won't be quiet. <laughs> the Imperial College of London have a great website where you can basically edit all the data and make your own meteorite and see what the effects would be. So <laughs> from there, having dropped... 1,526 editions of the Thomas Cook European Railway Timetable out the back of a Boeing 747 at a speed of 27 miles per hour. When that hits the ground, that would have the force of 108 kilotons of TNT. (laughs) 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 Which is roughly about the same as... As a uh, a nuclear bomb from most modern arsenals around the world. What the fuck? Just from books. <laughs> so what you're saying is he has a weapon of mass destruction in his garage. In the well, form of ferry timetables. It's funny you say that, Liam, because I went the, then went on a website where you can look at the effects on nuclear bombs on your location on Google Maps, <laughs> and I found out that. If John Potter dropped 1,526 copies of the Thomas Cook European <laughs> Railway timetable from 41,000 feet out of a Boeing 47747 onto Harrogate, it would wipe it off the map completely all the way up to Starbeck Rail Crossing. Oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> You'd be all right. <laughs> flat would live. And uh, if it was in the middle of London, it would just flatten central London. (laughs) Yeah, John Potter does in fact have a weapon of mass destruction uh, in his possession. Amazing. There you go. (laughs) I love that man. (laughs) Oh, I really need some sleep. <laughs> I can't wait for the wars and that follow with America and England declaring war on his house. He's <laughs> just dropping contents of the British Library. <laughs> It'll be the British Library versus Beyblade. <laughs> but could you imagine the military contract J.K. Rowling would have? <laughs> and that was the most boring uh, hobbies that I could find. Yeah, I, I like them, mate. Cheers. The worst bit is I actually did like them. <laughs> <laughs> the train covers. I, I mean, train covers is where it's at. That needs to be a new thing. Now. <laughs> 2021 needs to have train covers. Well, you get um, when you drive drive to York, like, oh, when you get the train fully enough, um, by the side of the train tracks, they have, like, the train washes, don't they? Like, the yeah. car washes. Yeah, yeah. That seems fun. Yeah, I, I must admit, it's my favourite part of the journey. <laughs> I get to look at the train. That's, that's only because the shed that is on has Siemens written on the side. Of it. <laughs> I think of you, <laughs> my love. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I love right it. Right, just some interesting, exciting ones. 
Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, go on then. Right, which one do you want first? You tell me. <laughs> I don't know, mate. Talk to me. Soap carving. We'll start with soap yeah, carving. Yeah, I want Toy Voyaging as the last one because that sounds interesting. Oh, absolutely. It's a fun times <laughs> we'll have by all. Right, soap carving. What is it? It is exactly what it says in the name. It is carving a bar of soap. Yay. <laughs> Which I was in I was in Bath last night and I was thinking about this. Like, I did, I did actually it. carve a bar of soap. <laughs> but some <laughs> soap bars are fucking hard. <clears throat> yeah. Like, and not only are they hard, they're slippy. Like the amount of times I drop the soap when I'm having a watch and it pisses me off. <laughs> You've like, been trying to hold <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine trying to hold one of those soap bars still while you're you trying to get a soap, soap on a rope to steady yourself. <laughs> soap on a rope. <laughs> There's a market for that in prison, I believe. <laughs> um, and they recommend using a butter knife because apparently that's like, obviously you've seen how a butter knife is easy for butter, so what, similar sort of yourself. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, right. yeah it, it, there's two markets for it really there's a, a decorative market uh, for people that uh, buy and sell these uh, carb soaps and uh, for people like that actually have businesses out of it or there's like actually using them as soaps but you'd have to be very careful wouldn't you because like you don't want to be going and getting like an arrowhead shaped bloody soap and then using that to wash every crevice here because that's going <laughs> to that's going to be rather invasive in certain areas I'll just cut you <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, I, I think it was quite cool. Like, if I was to carve a bar, so I don't know what I'd want to carve. I'd, I'd want something elaborate, like a bird or a... Just a big veiny cock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or like a, a snake. <laughs> you could go for quite a few different things, couldn't you? Maybe something really elaborate, like bloody York Cathedral. <laughs> I need to see some of these designs. How big are they? Yeah, some of them, some of them are really cool. If you just Google it, soap carving... I'm yeah. alright. <laughs> some some people have got a, yeah some awesome. Deal. It takes some time. You know, I mean, when you go to the beach and you see those people that have carved stuff into the sand, yeah, yeah, like war and that, and it's like really tastes like that, essentially. And it, it started uh, by a woman called Barbara Hepworth, and she was a she was a fig, uh, like a key figure in the uh, British abstract art movement, right? Uh, early in the twentieth twentieth century. <clears throat> And uh, she started doing it apparently, yeah. and uh, she she was just inspired by a uh, inspired by nature around her. So she started using what she saw to carve into soaps, which got me thinking off the back of last week. My worst nightmare would be to walk into the bathroom and see a fucking ferret kish cake like shaped calf soap. <laughs> I I won't watch ever. I would the not big... watch ever. <laughs> fucking foamy ferret. <laughs> so my question, my question to you guys would be: What would your worst nightmare soap carving be? <laughs> just any any form of spider, mate. Yeah, tarantula shaped soap. I'm not having it. Uh, deep blue sea. But I don't know how you carve that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the entire, don't, entire you're just ocean. scared of bats. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why I stink. That's why Liam has a shower and a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bath. Exactly. It could be anything in that bath. <laughs> the thing is, would would you not feel bad you know, after like an elaborate York Minster soap carving and you're just scrubbing it on your bum? <laughs> yeah, I like. You're gonna wear it down, aren't you? 
and then it'll be worth not. You'll only have one tower instead of two. <laughs> well, I suppose you could eventually just gradually pass it off more and more as Stonehenge as we go. <laughs> yeah, it started off as a cathedral, and now it's a druid's temple. <laughs> it's just a monolith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw the news today about that, those weird monoliths that have been appearing and disappearing. Ooh, have you yeah. guys been, have you seen that? No. Yeah, there was think, one in America, wasn't there, and one yeah. in Bulgaria or Romania. Yeah, like, literally, Liam, like, a, a big metal monolith, mate, just appeared out of nowhere in the Utah desert. Right. And then everyone went and found it, and then, like, the authorities cornered it off to deal with it, and then it's just randomly disappeared, like, vanished, and no one knows how or why. <laughs> and then one's just randomly appeared in Romania... Nope. And then the same thing's happened. It's just disappeared. <laughs> it's just, di- just fucking disappeared. And everyone's like been skitting out because obviously, I think, is it, was it St. Andrew's Day or something? And apparently they're linking it to a load of supernatural activity that happens on... Oh, of course they are. I mean, I don't know anything about any of that yet, to be honest. It's but, some uh, geezer placing one and then a few days <laughs> later taking it away and going... <laughs> <laughs> Little 4 by 4 truck. Like, hey, lads, wait. <laughs> but... Uh, <sighs> Yeah, so that was soap carvings. That was a nice, easy starter. Nice, right. easy starter. Nothing too extreme about that. Maybe a few <laughs> finger cuts along the way with butter knives, but... <laughs> Let's move on to death diving. Oh. Now, I actually I, yeah, I actually saw this on the internet, a few videos of this. this I wasn't even meaning to come across this. It's just popped up. What do you think death diving is? Death diving. Death diving. Hmm... Is it where you got like the wingsuits and you barrel through a canyon? Close. Not uh, quite. But it's similar sort like of base jumping. Action. Kinda, but not really kind at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially belly flopping off a diving board now. <laughs> oh no! Oh. And the videos of it are tremendous. Okay. <laughs> I wonder when someone does that anyway. Yeah, it's a fucking celebration of being a belly flopper. <laughs> Do you remember and, that um, Carlin advert? That I watched that weirdly today. Like there was, for some reason, it they were going around. Facebook yeah, it was on Facebook. <laughs> What? Best <laughs> uh, the Carlin advert. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he, he, he should have got himself to Norway, mate, because over there, it's actually an amateur diving sport and they have a world championships for it, mate. Oh, how'd, how'd you win that, though? Right, so, there's a point system. and <laughs> There's two types. <laughs> there's freestyle and there's a classic. Classic is you jump off the 10 meter board, you've got to hold the belly flop position, just before you hit the water, you go into the fetal position, so that you don't injure yourself too much, but obviously, in a bid to hold it the longest, you don't always get time to get to the fetal (laughs) position before, and uh, yeah, that's the classic version, the freestyle version is essentially, a load of flips and tricks and somersaults and awesome stuff, before you hold the belly flop position, Right. And then the fifth position when you hit the floor. <laughs> and it started at the Frogner Baths, which is a pool complex in Norway in the 1960s. And that's where it started. <laughs> and nowadays, mate, like, I was like, I want to go see this. Sells out. 3,000 seat of capacity stadium. <laughs> and it sells out, mate. Yeah. Tickets are like gold dust to come back. Oh, let's go. Why don't take a oh, no, yeah. Go see the World Championships of Death Diving in Norway. <laughs> like. <laughs> 
Like, and that just sounds awesome. Like, why, would you, why would you not want to see yeah. grown-ass humans go purposely belly flop for a prize? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, the thing is, you know full well that I was just what like three mates who got pissed up and made a random game, yeah. and then somehow it caught yeah. on. Just saw a load of cliffs and went, "Wait, go on, jump off it." Right now, but you can't belly flop that now. Go on, go on. <laughs> so, ah, uh, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Pretty, pretty cool. I like it. <laughs> I want to yeah, see I mean, it. I, I know it's just like going in the field position to go against injury, but I, I still hurt that. Like, I still yeah, wouldn't want to yeah, go yeah. in feet. It's like it's like doing a bomb essentially, isn't it? Yeah. You still, well, yeah, you still rip your ass all open. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna hurt, isn't it? <laughs> That's real death diving. <laughs> That's, oh, nope. Now this next spot, this next extreme spot, is something I very much want to have a go at, but unfortunately. I don't like heights, and I don't really know how to use an iron properly, so I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. For fuck's sake. So this one is extreme ironing. Extreme ironing. Take a guess at what extreme ironing is. You do your ironing on, like, a cliff or something. Yeah, so in extreme places, you right. go and iron. That is basically it. Take right. an iron to extreme locations, and you got to iron items of clothing, because obviously... You climb Mount Everest and you don't iron, it don't count. You've just done some fucking hiking, haven't you? Some climbing. You've not done extreme ironing. I know. So, (laughs) this is an actual thing. The Extreme Ironing Bureau. Literally, like, this is like some fucking men in black fucking, you know, association. Extreme Ironing Bureau. And they define it as the latest danger spot that combines the thrills of an extreme outdoor activity with the satisfaction of a well-pressed shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Get me signed up. Mate, that is your perfect description right there. That is a monthly membership I want to sign up for. (laughs) so tepid. (laughs) Oh, we've got to get someone on from the Extreme Ironing Bureau on this podcast. Where the fuck do you plug your your ironing, though, if you're up a mountain? Um, You know, I never actually uh, Googled that, but I think you could get, like, travel irons, can't you? So I think you just fill them with them. Do you reckon anyone's put an ironing board on the wing of an aeroplane? I I don't know. I don't know about that, but I have got some fucking rogue ones, some very impressive ones coming up. I don't know if I've got that, but... I'm going to have to Google that. Was it the the first time you did the ironing last week? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I did it down at Park, boys. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Up a tree. (laughs) should get into Bureau here. (laughs) (laughs) So people do it in, like, uh, forest climbs, canoeing. Uh, People have done it while snowboarding. (laughs) One fella, obviously (laughs) in Britain, did it in the middle of the M1. (laughs) What the fuck? Fucking <laughs> genius! Got a photo of him outside at M1 just doing his ironing. Oh, only in Britain. That's the best we can get in Britain. We can't go snowboarding or canoe, but you can do it in the middle of the M1. <laughs> <laughs> may, may, may as well do something while you're stuck in yeah. fucking traffic. Yeah. Um, yeah, some cunts did it uh, while parachuting the rogue rogue buggers. Like they, um, they, so they literally parachuted out of a plane and then they did it mid-air, which I think is probably the most impressive considering the logistics of that and the fact that you're 
you know, where you are. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you drop the fucking... <laughs> yeah. Watch out! I wonder what the terminal velocity of a handheld yeah. iron is. Yeah. How does that compare to uh, travel books, mate, in Thomas Cook <laughs> boat times? <laughs> Bloody mad. And then uh, my favourite one in terms of, like, genius and location is some guys and gals did it under an ice sheet of a frozen lake. What the fuck? Yeah. Like an o- oxygen pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I think they freedived some sort and went under and just... Can you imagine how, once it dried anyway, how crisp that white shirt would be <laughs> once it's been ironed? <laughs> like, that would be some one fresh shirt, would it not? <laughs> so there's a, there's a bit of a debate over who like, who invented it because there's like, some contrasting findings from two different groups around the world. And there's a, I didn't really want to get into any eyes, so I just went with the one I read first. You don't want to start a fight. Yeah, I don't want to get into any arguments and debates, so I just went with the guy who said he invented it first. And would you believe it? Like, this is the, you know, extreme ironing, mate. Guess where it was fucking invented? Mm, 1980, Tony Hyam in Settle in the Yorkshire Dales. Yeah. Yes. Yorkshire. Because only Yorkshire, Yorkshire could come up with extreme mining. So that's why we're going with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so he was reportedly inspired by his eccentric brother-in-law who would iron his clothes everywhere he went. So they'd go camping and he'd take like a travel iron board and in the middle of the morning when they'd wake up for a coffee, he'd be there ironing his shirts and getting his ironing done because he always wanted a nice fresh shirt. <laughs> so it got him thinking. He was like, there's something in this, like, you know, taking your ironing somewhere, you know, extreme. And it actually, mate, I've not seen this episode, it actually got a shout-out in an episode of EastEnders. <laughs> what? <the laughs> <fuck>? Did extreme <laughs> ironing. There's an episode in, two, and I think, I think around the early 2000s, and it actually <laughs> gives a shout-out to extreme ironing because that's how big it got, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do that whole concept, but we're shitting. Yeah. Extreme shooting. Extreme yeah. pooing. <laughs> There's got to be some rogue on the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't do that while falling out of a plane, would you? <laughs> No. <laughs> when someone's strapped to your back of you as well uh, I don't know I think I'd rather be up on air than the cameraman down on the floor waiting for that one to come down <laughs> <laughs> oh that'd be rogue did you see that there was like uh, someone someone's I don't know if it's a house or like greenhouse or fucking windows uh, I think it was their proper house, you know. I think I know what you're on about. Yeah, the house got smashed in <laughs> by a frozen poo. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. When it came... I read a story that was very, very similar to that one. That they got got rid of the piss from the back of the aircraft, That's and the it, piss yeah. had basically frozen in a long icicle <laughs> and fucking killed somebody. Oh, oh. they were killed God. by a streak of piss. <laughs> That's how I'd go, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my look. That's horrible. Dicks, you want to start extreme pissing around the Starbuck area? <laughs> no, yeah. Around the Starbuck area. <laughs> we will get it one day. <laughs> so actually, extreme ironing got that big, as I say. There's actually a documentary on 
what channel? The only channel that would do a documentary on this. For channel history. 4. Yeah. <laughs> channel 4, and it was called Extreme Ironing. Pressing for victory. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, in 2003 also, John Roberts and Ben Gibbons ironed a Union Jack just above the Every Space Camp, which at first I think was the highest point at which extreme iron had been done, at a mere 5,440 metres above sea level, (laughs) as you do. So then that led to like a list now of challenges. And in 2008 in March, uh, 72 divers simultaneously dived down underwater to try to set a record for the amount of people ironing underwater at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) So that was 72. So then naturally in 2009, 128 divers, including six free divers, attempted to break the record and they managed to confirm 86 divers, which ironed within a 10-minute period. <laughs> <laughs> and you guessed it, it was organised and took place by the Yorkshire Divers Internet Forum. Yorkshire. <laughs> and Yorkshire um, up. they also, because Yorkshire's Yorkshire were fucking awesome, they actually managed to raise £150,000 for the Royal National Lifeboat Institution at the same time. Top oh, people all round, boys. How, how's that relevant? <laughs> it's just good. But then... Aha! In May 2010, a group of divers in Florida attempted the record. And, uh, yeah, I think they did it. Yeah, no, they did do it. It says here they did do it on the notes. <laughs> Our survey says... For some reason, I didn't know I did it at the beginning. I really, <laughs> fucking wrote it at the end, but I did it. And they did it in Florida... And uh, they did it. I've never even heard of this before. The um, Christ of the Abyss at the Key Largo Dry Rocks, which is in like under the sea. And it's one of the old, um, is it bronze statues, I think, from whatever area, you know, like big bronze statues of Christ. Apparently there's some famous thing, like my history is off it, but uh, it's gorgeous. It's this big fucking statue of Christ, a bit like Christ the Redeemer in Rio, but it's under the sea, so it's like a famous diving spot. So they did it there. Right. Is it supposed to be under the sea? Or did it fall in? I think it flooded with like, climate change and you know rising sea levels and whatnot. And oh, it might have been dumped there actually. I don't know. I can't remember what it said. I didn't make know of it. Mm. So my history might be wrong there. If Josh, if you're listening, do correct me. <laughs> <laughs> but then, in March 2011, a Dutch diving club set the new official world record for extreme underwater ironing, in which a group of 173 divers set the new world record in an indoor swimming pool. And it was to, to mark the 40-year anniversary of it all. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, some 40-year anniversary, actually. I don't know what the 40 anniversary was because... <laughs> just one of their mates' one, birthdays? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, just for, just for a good time. Anyway, extreme ironing somehow, I didn't make a note of this, but when I read, it must have done somehow, actually led to extreme cello playing. They, they were inspired by extreme ironing, which led to extreme cello playing. I think the cello is a gorgeous instrument, so why would you not want to hear that at the top of, like, you know, Yellowstone, Mikey, when you went? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> off. Oh, and uh, this led to a group called the Extreme Cellists in 2003, and they wanted to raise money for a primary school in, you guessed it, Sheffield, Yorkshire. <laughs> oh, mate, um, you didn't even make fucking a cello stone joke. I've just clocked oh. on to that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Carry on. Sheffield. <laughs> Woo! And, uh, come the eye, Ed. So now there's a group, a group of cellists that uh, go around 
go around unusual locations, and then I'll, you know, coin the phrase extreme chelling. <laughs> and uh, they've undertaken a range of challenges. Um, what they like the most notable, like notable one, like that's been most revered, was they did a tour of 42 English cathedral rooftops in 2006. How fucking sweet is that? They actually need a tour, and on the tour, they only played on cathedral rooftops, like rooftops with their cellos. Oh, the um, worst part is that they would have played Ripon as well, and we must see, <laughs> yeah, you know, to see yeah. that happen. And the Minster. <laughs> Don't jump! And, uh. Where's the hiding board? <laughs> no devil diving here. Yeah, don't really, uh, you dickhead, you forgot your ironing board. <laughs> But uh, they actually went on to do the Four Peaks Challenge, which I think, I mean, we've done the Three Peaks, haven't we? And that was fucking well hard. Like, they did the Four Peaks, so they included Northern Ireland, and yeah. they played at the top of each peak with their cellos after carrying them up. Like, that would have been awesome to see, like, the top of, like, Ben Nevis or Snowden, yeah. like, a group of cellists playing some awesome tunes. Like, it's such a beautiful instrument. And they also, like, these guys are incredible. Like, they also hiked Wainwright's famous coast-to-coast. What, you know, you go from, like, west to east, east to west. Right across the top of England and they did that and they just went playing the cellos as they went oh, fuck and if you didn't right think he you know, went insane on that walk yeah, yeah. so imagine he didn't have a cello him, mate he would load a cunt smashing <laughs> cello oh, and just when you think these guys weren't awesome enough like this has just cemented their place in British history obviously <laughs> they did the London Marathon with their cellos <laughs> What? <laughs> they did it with the cellos on their back and they kept stopping to play the cellos. How fucking long did it take? God knows. And then, I mean, what tops doing the London Marathon after all they'd done before? They performed an, on all 58 surviving seaside piers around Great Britain in just 14 days. These guys are my new fucking heroes. I'm going to stand on my doorstep every night clapping these guys. The extreme cellists. Like, every Thursday. What a life. What a life. Clap, clap for what dedication. What heroes. Honestly, it was so inspiring to read. Like, that was in 2016. They're I've mad. not checked in with them since then, mate. God knows what they've done since then. Have they got a Facebook page? Maybe. I didn't oh, check. Man. I didn't check, mate. I'm, honestly, this is incredible. <laughs> you think you're grasping at straws, though, when you end up doing peers? Because peers know, are yeah. shit, aren't hey, they? Hey, Realistically, we... peers are crap. Ah, I mean, we went away, didn't we, a while back, mate, to Blackpool, and we had a right good Saturday night on one of peers, didn't we? we? Just, did, just sitting back and chilling with some live music and some nice geezer had a gorgeous uh, Doberman. <laughs> yeah. You, you should love peers, Mikey. No, I don't. I really thought that would be a, th- a thing for you. I don't really like the seaside, to be honest. Yeah, like the seaside. You did well living on an island, then. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, we're an island, aren't we? <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Surrounded by the cunt. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't like the seaside. Liam's afraid of open water. I'm really it's glad horrible. you were born in great Every place. day I wake up in absolute constant terror, knowing at any given moment, wherever I go, I'm never more than 70 miles away from a coast. <laughs> What do you not like about the seaside? I just think the countryside's better. Right. Because chavs and seagulls and shit chips <laughs> and sti- sticky arcade machines. Like, what the fuck? 
I'm sorry. You're a sticky arcade machine. <laughs> Mate, I'll fucking Dutch dive on you. <laughs> I'm right. The final one, Mikey. I know you've been waiting for this. <laughs> this honestly, if anything, this next wee bit, you'll go to bed just with a massive smile on your face, not scared of the open ocean around you, that this is a thing. <laughs> That this is actually a thing going on right now, and I think we should, I think we should become part of it. I think we should get our own toy. Right, so it's called toy voyaging. What do you think it is? You take a toy somewhere with you. <laughs> kinda, yeah, kinda. So basically, it's about traveling toys and giving toys a life, but they get passed around from person to person. So you could take them around, or you can like mail them, post them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Drop them off yourself, and uh, each toy has a tag on it that says it like where it's going but it also has a specific ID attached to it so like an identifier yeah. so you go onto the website you type in the ID of the toy and you update its travel log <laughs> so you put I don't know Woody from Toy Story Three Peaks Snowden or you know whatever but then you can see the rest of its travel history and anyone can log on and you can uh-huh. go see where these toys have been and what life the toys have had and it's all tracked <laughs> and basically, it just gets passed. It, you, the, there's two ways of doing it. Either you can specifically send it to somebody or to a, lo- a location, or you can just release it into the wild wherever you want. And this is known as wild release. Oh, <laughs> or as what Mikey calls it, every Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> or as the rest of the public call it, fly tipping. Yeah, yeah. See, if it had an if it had an identifier on it, it was a toy, it's allowed. <laughs> I was one wild releasing my sofa into the mall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just wild releasing the storage boxes under the bed. I'm <laughs> dying. Apparently, it was all inspired from a film called Amelie. I've not seen it. Right. And it, the aim is to try and get you know toys to trouble themselves. Like this is just real life Toy Story, isn't it? Like, it's just <laughs> awesome. And uh, there's over five thousand people around the world that have joined the Toy Voyaging Project. But make that five thousand and three, because us three are going to join that project. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no way I'm toying on my days off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's three thousand toys on average. I'm having a journey as we speak right now. Around the world, no, you know, wherever they may be. Now, there can actually be hosts as well, so you can apply to be a toy host. And what will happen is people will offer to host the toy voyager, as they're called. And uh, so I might write to Liam and go, "Please, can you take Woody to Thailand?" Right. <laughs> and Liam, being a host, would take the toy voyager to Thailand, and then obviously take pictures with it, so then I can see the travel log to see the toy's been to Thailand. You update the travel log. And what did not, did yeah. Liam take you, Woody? Just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get it on wild release, but Liam was having none. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, as of now, uh, Toy Voyagers have conquered 148 different countries. Uh-huh. So they're doing all right. They've not got, is it like 213, 217 countries, I think, in the world? Yeah. So they're getting there. They're close. Is there any way you can search where the toys are? If do people just leave them out and about like I don't know, yeah, maybe on the travel log, yeah, maybe there is a location where people have like left them there to be transported to the next place. But if they've been wild released, (laughs) then I think the point of it is just coming across it and recognising the ID and 
you know, see if we can find one in Yorkshire. Yeah, it'd be awesome. It'd be cool to know. Wouldn't it? Maybe we'll have to go onto like the uh, <laughs> onto the Toy Voyaging website and I'll look at the travel log too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, get get them with the extreme cellists. That those toys will go everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the top of fucking cathedrals all around the UK. Cool. It's like bloody Easter egg in like an RPG, isn't it? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so my question to you guys would be to end: What toy would you be, and where would you want to go? What toy would I be? Yeah, if you had to be a toy, what would you be and where would you want to be taken? I don't know. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Mike just fell. <laughs> I don't know. Mike? <laughs> I would be a toy beanie baby penguin. Oh, yes. Because... <laughs> Penguins are cute, and so are Beanie Babies. <laughs> and where would you want to be taken, Mikey? <laughs> uh, oh, well, that's a good question. Um, probably Brazil or Kuwait. Very nice. <laughs> Two beautiful questions. I would be a toy dildo. And... <laughs> a rampant rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> and I go to your mom's house. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Buzz Lightyear. I don't know. Woo! Get, get taken round Japan. Now I'd be yeah. I'd be Pikachu and get taken round Japan. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. You'd be treated like royalty, mate. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Decent. <are> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, probably Woody because I look like Woody. So <laughs> I'd want to be Woody. I'd, I don't know. Somewhere in Canada, the Canadian wilderness. You'd be left on the Gaza Strip. <laughs> <laughs> Busking. <laughs> That's a Tim Minchin joke. I can't take that one for myself. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's toy voyaging. How cool is that that this is toys travelling around the world right now? That's locations. Good, yeah, that's pretty cool. I was watching a, um, you might like this, boys, this week mm-hmm. I was watching a, it was like a weird, um, not like a hobby, but it was like weird events around the world on Netflix. I can't remember what it's called. Right. It's like challenges, I don't know. Anyway, like they have, um, they just like video these weird events happening around the world and there's six in the series, and one of them is the first one was the Gloucestershire cheese rolling, which looks oh, unreal. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like a cliff, like the cl- it's like the hill yeah, is yeah. like a cliff, um, and people like break the legs and shit running after this. Cheese. Yeah, hey, I really want to do it. I, I do remember it, seeing yeah. it on the news when I was a kid, yeah, yeah. and like there's one that runs up it, isn't there? Yeah, and then there's yeah. another that runs down it, and there's always some wazook like <laughs> snapping neck and going over and legs being broke. It looks amazing. Yeah, it looks unreal. Um, there's there's one frog jumping in um, in America. There's loads yeah. of random ones, but like we should, it just it just it's so funny. Uh, I just looks so much fun, doesn't it? Like in the in the one, I don't know if it's on that, and it's like it's stream swimming. I don't know if it's in um, in uh, Holland, it's and it's like. like fat- yeah. Bog snorkeling. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Bog snorkeling. <laughs> and you literally go to a bog, get your snorkel on, and you've got to swim from one end of the bog to another like a fucking boggy stream. Oh, it looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, not seen it. It's still Ireland's number one pastime, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> there's one where um, it's in America, and they uh, they have like big big like paintball guns, but instead of paintballs, they fire spuds. Like <laughs> 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 you've got to hit targets with spuds and see who oh, can fire shit. a spud the furthest. And you know, like you make the gun yourself, you bring your own spuds, and you've got to like oh, <laughs> so uh, a big potatoy robot wall. <laughs> 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 it just be ace, won't it? <laughs> just be <Mate>. bloody brilliant. <laughs> I'd definitely so, recommend that though. The uh, the Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I have to watch it. Yeah, like, it's pretty sweet. Sounds like it'll be a lot of fun, a lot of different, cool, different stuff. Yeah. No train covers, but you know, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> that that's gonna be our new hobby: is getting covers yeah. on trains. <laughs> You see him look north. <laughs> a load of train comes in Liam's next major purchase. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright for purchase. train comes. <laughs> yeah. I've bought it already, boys. Bought that domain. <laughs> Thing is, like, old, old people, every winter, all they do is knit scarves and <laughs> gloves and stuff, which and is sick. But why don't they start knitting train covers? <laughs> I'll ask my grandma to make one. Yeah. Oh, dear. Get her on it. Well, that was hobbies. So are we finished? Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving it to end the episode. Are we going to talk about the grand final? <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk about the grand final. We're oh, never going to talk about the grand, the grand final. final watch it. Ever. Did Wigan win? Nope. <laughs> Arguably the worst thing I think I've ever seen in sport ever and I've seen a lot of bad stuff like they'll have to invent a whole new category on question of sport of what happened next because you wouldn't even be able to guess <laughs> and we're not going to talk about Mikey you'll have to YouTube it because Liam will fucking horrific I, I, I don't know what screaming. Liam will do <laughs> oh no <laughs> Lottie took herself off to the bedroom she just she couldn't handle the screaming <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of screaming there. <laughs> yeah, it was I'm glad we didn't get together and watch it then, if I'm honest. It makes Luis Garcia's goal, ghost goal, Mikey, seems so No, easy. no, we yeah, don't exactly. talk about Luis Garcia's What that ghost goal is to you is like, put, t- square that and put it on steroids, and that's um, what happened to Liam at the weekend. <laughs> I don't believe it. I still don't believe it. <laughs> I honestly believe losing a loved one would have been easier. (laughs) (laughs) We had it on in here and we were like, and my sister goes, is that Liam's team or not? And I just looked and I was like, no, it's not. (laughs) Holly was like, you best go text him. I was like, yeah, I will. (laughs) Just make sure he's still alive. Yeah, I think I texted you saying, stay away from sharp objects, but maybe don't stay away from too many beers. (laughs) (laughs) I was mid-breakdown at that point, and the see you next Tuesday word came out far too many times. (laughs) Oh, dear, there's always next year. I don't know how you even even process that, mate. I don't know if there is a way of getting over that. My jaw was on the floor. I was like, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, oh, I can't even begin you to even. I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm a neutral, and that was. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. I can't imagine what your dad and granddad were <laughs> They were beefing. I was like, I bet Martin is effing and jeffing <laughs> somewhere right now in his front room. <laughs> he just put a status on Facebook, just putting robbed. <laughs> oh, you have to Google it, Schmike. I can't go through That's that what again. I'm doing. Oh, my, get it up now. Fucking <laughs> wicked. <laughs> I just want to know the score. 8-4? Fuck me, that's a low scoring game. Yeah, but right, it was right. one of the most it, exciting games I've yeah. ever seen. It, mate, it was like, remember that time Chelsea and Watford drew 0-0 and Solomon Kalou hit the bar in the 95th minute? <laughs> yeah. It was like that. But what I will tell you, Mikey, it was 4 all. <laughs> In the 80th minute. <laughs> oh, no. what I will tell you. And Wigan, them and Wigan had a penalty, believe it or not. Oh, no. Two chances to kick a fucking two-pointer. Oh, two penalties. And then what happened happened. What transpired transpired. I mean, that Wigan defender surely has to retire. Cause... <laughs> no, he was amazing all night. How did he get back from that? How did you come back from that? I was that? just a fucking the worst bounce that ever graced the field. <laughs> the thing is, Liam, we told you that this would eventually become a sports podcast. And it's just happened. Oh, dear. Right, we are up to an hour and a half. What, um, what are we doing for next week? I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. Do Should we do, off the back of our wee conversation there, worst sporting moments? <laughs> I can't do that. I really don't want to do that. <laughs> because we've all had bad ones. And as a whole, as English football fans, we've had some bad ones as well. So I don't know. Maybe that could be funny to relive yeah. some very upsetting moments like... Lampard's goal that was over the line, but it won. No, stop it. <laughs> I, might, I might be sitting silent for at least 50 minutes on that next <laughs> We won't talk about Wiggins. We won't talk about that one. Possibly. We'll decide in the week. We'll decide in the week. Yeah. Is that a bit too... Still a bit too Liam, soon? If you do Matt Hancock, I'll do Pretty Patel. <laughs> Dicks, you get Dominic Rob. Yeah. <laughs> the worst Tories on the front bench. Like, yeah, our worst Tory moments of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, right, that was episode 25. I hope you enjoyed. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Bye, thanks for listening. <laughs>